You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Why, Shane? Why? <laughs> you think you can protect the fan holes, Rick? You think you're the better fan? I'm the one who'll stand up for him, Rick. Me! You think you're gonna walk back to that podcast, spouting whatever bullshit you come up with, and everything's gonna be fine? Fan holes will get over you, Rick. He done it before. Alright, Shane, listen. We can come back from this. We can go back and listen to fan holes together. Just calm down. Here, I'm gonna walk over and slowly hand you my gun. Easy. Easy does it. Damn you for making me do this, Shane! This was for the fan holes! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Fan Holes Podcast. Uh, Tonight is our very special Halloween episode, so we're going to be talking about a lot of monsters and ghosts and goblins and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But for the beginning of our Halloween episode, we actually have two very special guests with us tonight. Uh, We've got two actors from the X-Files, and uh, if you live in a box or anything and you don't know what the X-Files are, uh, the X-Files was a really popular television series on Fox a while back. It ran for nine seasons, and X-Files pretty much deals with, uh, I guess, you know, Agent Scully and Mulder and their two FBI agents, and the X-Files are cases that are either unexplained, they deal with phenomenon, you know, spooky, scary Halloween monsters, and also, you know, normally like UFOs and aliens and things like that. And so uh, joining us tonight uh, is uh, Jolie Jenkins, who plays uh, FBI agent Leela Harrison, and uh, Brian Poth as Gabe Rodder. And uh, they appeared on the, well, I guess Jolie appeared on the season eight, episode 19 episode titled Alone, and then her character returned for the season nine episode, which was episode 14, titled Scary Monsters. And that's where uh, a good friend of mine who I went to uh, college with at Loyola Marymount, uh, Brian Pote, appeared as Gabe Rodder. Um, Also joining me tonight are two of my fellow fan holes, uh, Justin Barber and Tony Jackson. And so we're going to sort of trade off and ask a couple prepared questions that we have for our two guests for tonight. I'm sorry, Miss Harrison. Who are you? Oh, gosh. They didn't tell you? This is so embarrassing. Uh, I'm... 
I'm your new partner. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'll just start off with the, the first question. And, of, and course, of course, most of these questions apply to both of you, Brian and you, Jolie. So feel free to take turns and answer however you decide or however you want to you know, answer them, I guess. But um, so uh, I guess the first question to both of you guys is, uh, you know, Brian or Jolie, um, how did you become interested in acting? <laughs> who, who wants to go first? I know. Brian, hi, everybody. I'm just saying hi. It's Jolie. Um, hi, it's Brian. You, Brian, hey, Brian, go first. Jolie. Brian, you go first. Okay, okay. Um, I just, you know, um, in my house, I think uh, everybody sort of uh, was glued to the TV. And um, the only way I could get attention, I was the only child, was to sort of stand in front of the TV and sort of dance around. And so at one point, I think at around four years old, I figured out if I actually was in the TV that people would have no <laughs> choice but to pay attention to me. And so I think that was it. Was I, it. Think I, I think pointed I pointed at the TV and said I wanted to live in there. Um, it's really it's taken so much money to get over that problem in therapy. <laughs> but um, I don't actually live in a television, but I but sometimes I do. So... That's kind of the first. That was the first thing, and then just being a natural ham, and and uh, um, so that's kind of that's how I got interested in acting. Um, I just wanted to be in the box, but definitely living in my television for for some time, especially because I you know I bought my dad these uh, X Files DVDs, so that was like the first time I think I watched the Scary Monsters episode because I was watching it with him, and I, and I went, "Hey, there's Brian," you know, so I thought that was. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so then I found out acting is a little bit harder than just living in a television. Yeah. I wish it was that easy, right, Jolie? If only, right? <laughs> I just got back from trying. The roads at that elevation are way too dangerous right now. Well, Sheriff, there are three FBI agents who may be in grave danger. That's my girlfriend up there, Haas. Well, that's a good answer. I like that answer, Brian. Um, Thank you. Not that I'm the interviewer, but great, great answer. Great answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd give it an A minus. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I, as, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to perform some way, and I started I started dancing when I was about three, and just um, did a lot of singing and dancing all through school, and started doing some professional theater in high school, and moved to New York. I was nineteen to do more singing dancing. And, um, and um, I think uh, when, when I was in New York, I was dancing so much that I was my body was in so much pain all the time that I started um, uh, looking around at other things that I could do. <laughs> and I started <laughs> taking uh, acting classes and just falling in love with it and realizing that the life of a dancer is pretty, um, is pretty short, that career. And not the life, but the career. And so... Um, um, I moved to back to California where I grew up and um, just thought I would take a crack at it while I was still kind of young enough to get away with not having any experience. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I love it. And people that are still trying to like make it or I hate hate both of us right now for those answers. <laughs> oh, God, I'm uh, still trying to make it. What are you talking about? We're we are totally like famous in in um indonesia, indonesia. <laughs> awesome 
Yeah, I think I think people will be excited to hear about you know just stories about the X Files and stuff like that. So in that sense, it's weird. Like, I love this the whole thing about like X Files is like the dark shadows. Like it, like people don't. There are actually people alive that don't even know what the X Files are, which makes me yeah. super old. <laughs> Actually, Brian, like, because you said Dark Shadows and you're on X Files, Justin is now your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I uh, I can't even tell you what a nerd I am, but yeah, I got I asked for the tape, uh, cassette tape version of the radio show when I was like I don't know, ten years old for Christmas. So that's awesome. Um, Julie, I didn't know you were a dancer. I was, yeah, for. Many years. Not really anymore. I'm pretty klutzy. <laughs> I feel like I want to dance with you now. And <laughs> as I said that, my voice cracked like I got all nervous. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit, the, a little bit about the uh, audition process? Uh, sure. I, strangely or not strangely, it was very, very um, normal kind of run-of-the-mill audition process. For me, anyway. anyway. I, um, I went in uh, and read... And read for her casting director and for Frank, Frank and um, gosh, auditioning is crazy. Like auditioning is weird and crazy, and sometimes you go in, you feel like, oh my god, they love me. I nailed it. This is my. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you feel like I just bombed. That was horrible. They hate, you know, I, I feel like for me, I don't know, maybe you're the same, Brian, but maybe this, maybe this is just an actor thing that I feel like it's one or the other. It's either like I'm getting this job and, you know, it's going to make my whole life better or uh, I'm never going to work again in this town. <laughs> it's kind of true. But actually, X-Files, that audition for me was very just I mean, I could tell Frank, Frank me, I didn't feel like he loved me, and I didn't feel like I was. They didn't have. He didn't have me read it over and over, and he didn't. Ha, he didn't really adjust me a lot in the room, um, and have me do the scenes different ways. It was very kind of like. It felt very um, like I didn't know either way. It was sort of like, okay, that was just another audition. Like, what's the next one tomorrow? And um, I got the job. I think like as I was walking from the audition to the car, I got the job. And um, it was what? very cool. That's such <laughs> rare, like, fun experience. So that was that was pretty fun. That's awesome. You're, you're rocking the audition before you even get to your car. <laughs> That's crazy. And, you know, Frank uh, directed Alone, the, the first episode that I did, and it was his first episode that he directed. So it was kind of a cool experience to be with him that way, you know? Um, just, I don't know if um, you guys, I'm sure you guys probably know that, but maybe your listeners don't. Well, they probably do too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Brian, what about you? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, mine was weird too, because, um, weird in a way that, you know, I, well, I had a different experience. Like when I read something that I, I can kind of, there's either something happens with me when I read something, I'm like, oh, this is totally mine or the opposite, which is like, I am never going to get this job. Why am I even going to this audition? And what I've learned over time is that, you know, it's I'm never right. <laughs> um, 
You know, there are some times where, you know, I've been right and I read something, and it's only happened a few times. I think it was the X-Files, um, Six Feet Under was one, and, and another show that um, I'm working on now where I've read it on the page. The second I read it, I know that there's no one else for this job. This is mine. It was, like, written for me. So basically, it feels like a, sort of like a gift from God or the heavens, <laughs> But there's sometimes where, uh, and that was my experience with the X-Files. When I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is my dream job. I've been praying for this role for the X-Files. I'd never gone in for the show, and it had been on for nine years, you know, and they shot in Canada for half, I think, most of it. So they cast all the guest stars in Canada. So you, unless you were a star that was doing sort of like a stunt role on the, on the show, you had no chance of being on that show. No, none as a Los Angeles actor. And so um, I remember seeing Giovanni Ribisi on it one time, and I was like, oh, man, like, they're never <laughs> going to cast me. Um, and then the show moved to L.A., and it was my, my – I had never gone in for them before. It was like a number – you know, it was the first audition. And so it was just luck and sort of maybe like being young and feeling like, you know, this is, this is in the bag. But then there's times <laughs> that, that you think I never – you know, I – killed that thing and then you never get a call and and my, i didn't get the call on the way out the door so i'm a little jealous i feel like now they really didn't like me and they had to think about me a lot and that's only happened to me maybe twice in you know all of these years so that's awesome that's crazy good like they want to make sure that you don't even step off the lot <laughs> wow. um but no, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I don't even think I got a call back. It was like, that was it. It was like in the room for producers one time shot and they called and, and, but I was, I came in on your second episode, right? Yes, that's right. And what I was told is that they were thinking of adding us if there was another season to come. Oh, my God. Did you know that? No, but that makes me sad, happy and sad. It was, uh, that's what I was told. But you know what? Agents will tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral of that story. <laughs> no, but that we were going to be the new, um, the new, like, you know, because I think the, the, I know that Jillian was leaving the show for sure. Yeah. And they didn't know that if they were going to have a 10th season and that we were going to sort of be the, the new, uh, that was the idea. You guys were going to be like the junior lone gunman or something cool, right? Like, Who knows? Oh, the promises, the, the empty, sad promises. I think that ties into some of the questions that, that Justin has, but but he may go ahead and, and sort of ask them anyway if you have any more details or whatever. Yeah, one of my follow-up questions was going to be, you know, if the X-Files had continued, like, you know, Jelly, do you think your character would have came back from more adventures? I, I sure hope so. I mean, I, I don't know. I, that, like, I, I never heard um, that news that Brian was that Brian just shared. Um, um, after, after I did um, Alone, it was a really long time before they asked me back, and I didn't. I didn't know that that would. I kind of given up hope to go back. I, I mean, I really had such an awesome time shooting Alone. I, I had the best time with Robert Patrick. I worked really closely with him for that entire episode, and we were in almost every scene together. Um, I just had. It was a really um, satisfying and fulfilling experience of my, you know, young career at that point on TV. And I just, I remember just 
wishing and wishing and hoping and and trying to just put out there like into the universe please I please I want to come back I want to come back so bad so I couldn't I kind of couldn't believe it It's because it was almost a whole season later that I was asked to come back and that's sort of unheard of as a recurring role on a television show it's usually like a, a slew of them in, in the same season or a little you know maybe a few in a row or something you know so I didn't even know I was going to come back the second time and I so I had no idea Justin that's it <laughs> so were you I mean I guess Brian kind of talked about this before but were were you a fan of the series before Jolie at all like did you kind of you know was it in your consciousness or when you got the audition and the sides was it something you kind of had to go hey what's this X-Files thing well I mean it was so part of of like you know the the, the media and the world at that at that point it was it was pretty huge I wasn't a diehard fan but I had seen the show a couple times. I knew I knew what I knew what it was about, and I knew who the characters were. So it was kind of somewhere in the middle there, I suppose. Even if this isn't an X file, which it is, what will it hurt to keep going? Ah, if Agent Mulder were here, he'd keep going. Justin was also going to ask. I think one of his other questions was if you had done any research or preparation for. Uh, you know, the the role of um, Leela Harrison, like in terms of, I guess, because kind of like the, the way I saw the role was kind of like she was a, a mouthpiece for, for all the fans, you know, like in some ways, because, you know, you, you've got characters, you know, in the, lots of different TV shows. But in this case, I guess it was, you know, Agent Mulder was, was kind of, quote unquote, being replaced by Agent Doggett. You know, so you've got the care, you know, the fans that are, you know, welcoming to the new character and go, ah, oh, Agent Doggett's cool. Like he's a skeptic and you know, he kicks ass or whatever, but then you might have the contingent of fans that are like, well, you're not as good as Mulder, you know, and that, that kind of, you know, like, I guess, you know, your character, you know, Agent Harrison was always like, well, this is what Mulder would yeah, do, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, I think um, she definitely was a mouthpiece. Layla was definitely a mouthpiece for the fans. Um, and, and, you know, we, we were shooting one day and Frank um, Spotnitz, Frank's, uh, said to me, we were on location in the middle of nowhere, like, uh, I mean, I don't know, the middle of some canyon, you know, and uh, basically there's a canyon in Los Angeles called Topanga Canyon, and it's where they shoot anything that's not supposed to look like Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, constantly when my husband and I are watching TV, we'll be like, like oh, oh, meanwhile, in Topanga Canyon. Well, it's great because they always do all the like the the hostage exchanges there, you know, because yes. you got all the caverns and everything totally. and things like that. Totally. So, um, I remember I we remember were, we I arrived, I arrived day, and there were there some fans there. I mean, they just they had to be very production had to be very stealth about putting up signs for the crew, the cast and crew to, to find parking and all of that. It was all like code words and because you couldn't have a sign that said, you know, X-Files parking this way. Because, <laughs> you know, fans that would, um, th- that were really stealth. So I remember them wanting to see, uh, I mean, they were just like, I, I'm making it sound like I was the Beatles or something, <laughs> but there were like, there were like, you know, two or three people and they wanted to, I don't know, see me or talk to me or, and then Frank said, you know, that then that morning, Frank told me we'd been shooting for a couple of days by that that point, and he said he said I didn't want to tell you until you 
because I didn't want it to affect your performance, but Layla Harrison is based on a woman who wrote fan fiction and was just a really, really diehard X-Files fan. She wrote fan fiction, and uh, I believe she passed away. And so it was sort of a tribute to her. Uh, Do you guys already know this? Uh, This is, for me, like, this is new to me. So I I think the listeners would like to hear about it. So it it was, so Layla was definitely, definitely like, like, she was written as kind of a love letter to the fans. And, yeah, she was, she was definitely um, based on a real, a real woman and, and kind of an amalgam of fans, you know? So did you, I mean, I guess in that sense, like, was, was, was any of your preparation or research geared towards, like, the fan base, or did you maybe use some kind of substitution for yourself in real life where you're like, oh, I'm a fan of, you know, you know XYZ, and I'm going to sort of apply that to the X-Files? Yeah, or? you know, I don't think, I, I didn't know about it until we were in the middle of shooting, and so I didn't, that really wasn't part of my preparation, but... I I really didn't I, I really didn't do very much preparation in the in terms of the like agent stuff you know Layla was an accountant who went through basic training and she so she she was supposed to be awkward, awkward. and know how to hold, so how to hold and, and, and was really a fish out of water so so that was pretty that was much pretty much. Me not knowing how to, me holding a gun for the first time, me doing that stuff, that was sort of easy to just relate to, you know, and so I don't, I don't think I did any special, you know, like specific to X-Files preparation, just kind of my own actor preparation. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, you gotta be freaking kidding me. I can't believe you're cutting up a dead cat on your kitchen table. Will you keep your voice down, please? You're gonna wake my baby. So I guess I guess the big question that uh, everybody's kind of wondering about is, and and maybe you guys have a preference because of who you worked with the most, but were you guys, you know, I know maybe Brian had interest in X Files before working on the show, but you know, what do you guys think, like Doggett versus Mulder, <laughs> Scully versus Rays, like 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 what's your, are you are you fanboys of one or the other? Do you love them all like equally? Like what's your what's your thoughts on that for like? you know, fans that have a, a strong, definite opinion one way or the other. Um, I have one for sure, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I am a David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, like, diehard fan. Like, that was my, that was my jam. So my dream of dreams came true, you know, to yeah, yeah, you, be on the show to. with Gillian and to work with her almost, I guess my situation was pretty similar to, to Jolie's in that, in that I worked with her specifically. It, like every scene I shot was with Jillian. And so, um, you know, and then uh, I think I even we I even met David uh, at the rap party because it was they uh, it was the rap party for the whole show. It wasn't the, just the season rap party. It was the, the series rap party. And um, I, I got to talk to him and it was just it was crazy because, you know, for me, I certainly was a diehard fan. I think I saw almost every episode um, there was to see. And then, and then as sort of as the show went on and um, Doggett and uh, Reyes came on, I just, I kind of just, they, they didn't jump the shark for me, but I was so invested in Mulder and Scully that I just, I was kind of angry. Like I felt like I was being cheated on or something. So I was, I'm really like a crazy person when it comes to the X-Files. So there was this, sort of sense that 
as a fan, you know, you get attached to your people. And, and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. as, as much as I loved the concept of the show and the writing, for me, I cared about the characters almost more than I cared about the concept. Of, at, by the time, you know, by the time David Duchovny left, it was just like, oh, you know, so it's like your fan. You, for me, it was like losing. <laughs> I don't want to sound too dramatic, but you know, I really loved those characters, and um, and so for me, it was hard to get, uh, hard to get into the uh, to the other uh, vibe of the show, and um, I think it was that with a lot of fans. Um, so um, some, sometimes I feel bad, bad about that because I know there's also like characters in other fiction where you know people have arguments constantly over um, those, those things. things. Whether it's you know Optimus Prime getting replaced by Rodimus Prime, everybody's going to get into a big argument over it, just like you know Doggett and and Mulder and stuff. But um, like, did you have any opinion on that, Jolie? Like, I mean, since you worked so closely with Robert Patrick, like, are you just a big big fan of um, of, of Agent Doggett because of the time you spent working with him, or did you have any? I am, but it's it's interesting because I, oh, I know that that Annabeth Gish and Robert Patrick had huge shoes to fill. I mean, people loved Mulder and Scully so much that yeah, yeah. really like starting behind the finish line. You know what I mean? Or behind the behind the start line. Like like they they just had so far to go before they could be at zero, you know, and because I wasn't a Die Hard fan going into the show, going into it, um, I just, I just, it's hard for me to separate my experience working with Robert and Annabeth because I had, they were both such, so lovely as people and generous as actors and incredible artists and uh, so I, I really enjoy working with them. So I, I don't know if I would say Doggett and Reyes, but I would definitely say Patrick and Gish, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, because I, I, I'm just saying sometimes I feel bad for that. You know, I know, I know. Brian was saying how before, you know, you're very invested in in Mulder's character. Like Brian, were you? This is kind of a curveball question, but were you were you happy that that uh, you know they kind of brought Mulder back towards the very end there? Like, did you end up watching that, or were you not invested by that point? I I, I certainly watched it. I couldn't wait for it to happen, but I would agree with Jolie in that. For sure, like working with um, with Patrick and Annabeth was amazing. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if we would have had the experience that we had on the show with. Well, I wouldn't have it without them because they were so kind. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and and generous, especially as series regulars. Like sometimes when you're 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 guest guesting on a show. Um, you can kind of feel like the odd man out and you just kind of get flown onto set to do your part and then you walk away. But they, in a weird way, they kind of felt like they made you feel like you were part of the team. And I think it was because they were such underdogs still, like even in their second season, they were still like, they were just such good good people. people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're working like in the middle of the night in a cabin in the woods, you, you know, you kind of, it's three in the morning and you just, you kind of bond with people. You know what I mean? I have to say, it's clear to me now that you are better equipped for this challenge than even Agent Mulder would have been. 
I mean, your lack of imagination saved our lives. Gee, thanks. That didn't come out right, did it? I guess this kind of leads into to one of the next questions for both of you guys. guys. But what what was the shoot like for you? I guess for Jolie, it was on two different episodes, but for Brian on uh, Scary Monsters, and then and then how long did it take to to shoot those episodes? Um, I think the standard um, the standard shoot schedule for an hour drama is eight days, eight business days. So you're you're you know you're in there for couple weeks I I, although I think that those shows I have a feeling that those episodes took longer to shoot I know one of the I know um for scary monsters I wound up having to do some reshoots but and Brian too did you do reshoots for that it was 10 days I it it was 10 days total I think it was okay and that was without for me I think that was without reshoots I wasn't I didn't they didn't they didn't bring me back. Bring me back. I don't know what that means, but but <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, I didn't they, I didn't have any reshoot dates. Yeah, um, so, so you told me you nailed it out of the park the first no, time. Or time. No, I don't know. I don't know if it was that or the other thing, but um, I think at that time it, they were they were taking almost ten days to shoot an episode. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I, I think the a normal show is. Is eight days, but I think I think this was longer. I think they they because they had two units, they had two whole crew, they had two whole separate, whole separate crews. That they had such a such a big production thing going on. It was giant. Yeah, so we were shooting one episode in in on this on stage, say twenty six or whatever. I I I I'm I, sorry, fans, if I got that stage. <laughs> um, but, and next door, they would be shooting the next the episode. Next. Um, so they were, they were sort of like, kind of like back and forth. And, and so to me, that was the first time I'd ever been on a show that was so big that they could have two separate units, you know, and, and I guess it was really well oiled machine by that point. Yeah, it really was. That's, that's for sure. Remember ever waiting around or feeling like, gosh, they really don't know what's going on. I mean, you were, you were there to work. And, and, and you, you, you know, I mean, some, some sets aren't like that. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I, I guess some of our questions that we had were already answered. I mean, it sounds like you, you guys really enjoyed working with, you know, the principal actors on set and everything like that. Um, this might be a, a little, uh, you know, depending on, on what people's <laughs> beliefs are, this might be a, a weird curveball question too. But since, since we are dealing with X-Files and the unexplained, uh, I guess one of the questions that had come up or was that uh, have either of you ever had any kind of you know paranormal experience or see I don't know UFOs out in Arizona or anything crazy like that? If I have, I'm glad I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't think I. No, I don't. I have that's not. The nail. That's like the, that's the first. That's that's the nail. Oh, great! And, and you just don't want to talk about it. That's cool. Um. I don't. I don't think I've had a paranormal experience. Have you, Brian? Oh God, all the time. I'm having one right now. <laughs> oh, paranormal. Um, yes. I, it's weird. I yeah. I'm kind of weird that way. But uh, you know, I I think yeah, for sure. I mean, the place I live in now. I live in this uh, building that's was built in 1928, and um, I weird things happen, but not not too weird. Like I came home 
if I, I, could, I wish I could show you pictures, but I came home one day and all of my blinds, the um, strings that, that lift the blinds, were tied in knots. What? But not, yeah, oh yeah, this is crazy. Not any sort of knot that I would tie. Or, so they were all tied, but in a way that was, look, look, it was braided. And have like, have like one, two, one, two, I guess eight different sets of blinds. And they were all braided together yeah, in this sort of weird dream catcher thing. And uh, that happened around right before Christmas this year. And ever ever since then, nothing else strange has happened. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And strings tied into such a way that looks like it would take in your grandmother for hours to crochet is a little bizarre. Yeah, that sounds strange. I got my apartment while I was gone on Christmas and braided my blinds together. So that's so creepy. <laughs> you had like a crop circle of blind ties. <laughs> Aliens like like, like your blind. blinds. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. But I used to play with like Ouija boards and stuff as a kid. So who knows what demon is following me? <laughs> God, I'm so awesome. Just just don't make any deals. You know, you'll be okay. <laughs> You've never but, um, had a paranormal experience, Jolie? Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, not aliens, but I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, once okay, once when I I mean, I definitely believe in. I believe in that stuff absolutely. I I absolutely do, and I I believe that it's. Uh, well, whatever. Anyway, I, this could go on forever, but I I did have one experience when I was a kid. Uh, I lived in a big big kind of old house, and, and I was, uh, um, I was up in this sort of, like, like balcony of this room, and, and I, I was sitting there, and I felt, felt a hand on my shoulder, like, I felt a, I felt something touch me, and nothing was there, and it was really real, and it freaked me out, but that's the only kind of, like, brush with, you know, the unseen in that kind of a way, I guess, I felt. I think I believe in things like that, like kind of spirituality and presences and things like that. So I could totally, totally see that happening. That's scary. scared. I guess I think like, paranormal experiences is scary, but maybe they don't have, you know, maybe that's just my limiting sort of belief about it because I, I believe in like spirits and good, you know what I mean? Like, like, I see what you're saying. Like, like uh, I, I probably would lean towards more. I would hope they'd be more positive experiences yeah. than you know people jumping, jumping at you from the shadows or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so this is Johnny Fabulous, huh? <laughs> oh, Mulder's so smart. Mulder's so dreamy. <laughs> That's all Layla ever talks about, you know, Mulder and Scully, Scully and Mulder, blah, blah, blah. I guess I, I guess we're going to ask uh, maybe two more questions, but I, I just want to say to both of you, like, you know, having rewatched the episodes in, in preparation for the, the show and the podcast, like, I really enjoyed watching both of you work, and you guys uh, had a lot of great lines, you know, whether it was kind of the, the lines about how Mulder's so dreamy, or I, I kind of love the exchange, Jolie, between mm -hmm. you and Robert Patrick, basically where you kind of you kind of give him the fanboy 
seal of approval, but it's kind of like a knock at the same time where you're like, you know, oh, your your unimaginativeness saved us all. And he's kind of like, gee, thanks, you know. But at the same time, it was kind of a vindication for anybody who was, you know, kind of a fan of, of Robert Patrick or Agent Doggett. You know, you kind of went, yeah, she, she you know, kind of gave him the stamp of approval and everything. Um, but I guess just, just kind of to, to round off the, the two more questions for both of you guys, um, what, what would you say might be like your ideal acting project? I mean, I know Brian was all excited about X-Files. Is there anything that you guys haven't worked on yet where you kind of consider it your dream job? Brian? Um, ah, yeah. Um, I was, I was going to just copy whatever Jolie said. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's actually on our show. Like when when we have the same answer, we kind of call each other here's secret the, brothers. Here's the thing. Okay, so I that, I have had this sort of. There are shows, of course. There's those shows. For me, it's always a show that is critically acclaimed. It's impossible to get on. Um, it's a dream come true. I mean, I think one of them would be Matt. Admin, um, just because it's like I, I ran simply at an audition, and we. I have you. Have you done that show yet? Yet? No, I haven't. I've auditioned a couple times, but I have it's not. Done that. It's one of those things where it's like that one show is sort of like it's like a holy grail of sorts. It is. It's so iconic and it's so part of our culture now, and it's so cool. And the whole period part of it would just be so fun. I think. Yeah, there's those shows that it's just like you don't care if you even just do like a half a day. You just kind of. They're they're historic. They will always be in the, you know, in the zeit. I, I, am I going to say that word zeitgeist? But they'll be and they're forever going to live in infamy. And you just know, uh, you kind of just want it on your resume. It's kind of like, like a notch on your on your on your bedpost, you know, or your whatever. I is that that's a sex thing though. And it's I don't <laughs> just, just say notch on your belt, right? It's that's notch on your belt. There you go. If you can edit the other one out be awesome. <laughs> um, but oh. I would say that and then probably like True Blood. Because it, to me, it's the same, same sort of, it's like iconic in its own way. Um, the one show that I regret never being cast on was Alias. Because that, another, again, for me was oh. like J.J. Abrams, like amazing television that hadn't, at that time, I felt like it hadn't been done yet to that degree. It was like watching a movie every week, like an action movie every week. And it just, it, it upped the ante with production, production quality. And so being a geek of like that kind of stuff, I just, there are certainly shows that it's like, I really want to be on it before the end. <laughs> I don't, no, you know, I hate to tell you this, but Alias is not on the air anymore. It's not? No. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you, do you have anything else to add, Julie? Like, was was there some other uh, like shows that you might really love to be on that are on the air now, or even even something like Brian, where it's you know dining with someone from history? You know, was there a, a show long past that that would be really cool had you had you been on it? Or um, there are a couple of shows that I have auditioned for that um, I have not gotten that would uh, that I would just have that have gone on, you know, like uh, I've auditioned for the pilot and then it's gone on to become like a thing. And it's heartbreaking to me, uh, those situations. Um, 
<laughs> it is. 30 Rock was one. Oh, um, my God. Just, uh, I really want to do comedy. That's my, that's really my joy is to be, to make people funny. I mean, to make people funny, to make people laugh and to, to look at a script and figure out a way to make, to make it funny. That is really fun for me and fulfilling for me. And I just love it. So there, there are just a handful of those experience, those shows that, I mean, 30 Rock, I would have loved to be on that show. And I, I screen tested for New Adventures of Old Christine, which is probably not, not um, on the radar of your fans. <laughs> but um, I'm such a fan of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think she's awesome. And I, I just would love to be on a, on a comedy that is really fresh and original and and but well written i think you really excel at the comedy i mean you know even even in something like like x-files i mean the the kind of character that you played it's, it was obviously a serious show but you know the exchanges that you have and kind of dealing with that character learning was all very you know you found the humor and comedy in that as well so i i, I kind of wish you guys both the best in in getting all the different uh you know, whether it be a, a super cool comedy or, you know, getting on a, a cool to you, right. Brian, geek show like, uh, you know, True Blood or, or Mad Men or something that you're really passionate about. Um, I guess just uh, the, the final question that we have before we wrap up this half of the sure. show um, is, do you guys have any upcoming projects that you'd like to promote to our listening audience? And I guess that's with the caveat that this is obviously the, the Halloween show. So maybe they, they have... Uh, you know, maybe those projects will long have since aired by this point, but, it, you know, I guess just take that question as, uh, you know, is there anything that you'd like our listening audience to, to check out and that you think would be super cool? Uh, I just shot an episode of, uh, again, probably not on the radar of your fans, but um, of your listeners, rather, uh, Devious Maids, which is the new confection from um, Desperate Housewives creator Mark Cherry. Um, it's like a soap, a very soapy, you know, like a nighttime soap opera on Lifetime. Yeah, no, I've heard of the series. So, <laughs> so I, um, I had fun shooting that in Atlanta a little while ago, and I, I think it's going to air this summer, actually, or last summer because it's Halloween now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so um, we, 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 we time travel. We have, yeah, uh, you know, DeLoreans and, uh, and little <laughs> phone boxes and stuff. So it's all, it's all screwy around here. Um, other than that, I have, um, I just shot a Sears commercial with a monkey. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and um, I have a, a blog. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I have a blog that I, I, I do a lot of cooking and, write recipes and funny stories and take pictures of food and um, that's no that's awesome yeah. send us the link and we'll um we we have a cool sites link on our blog page okay. and we put up stuff so send us the link for that okay, and awesome. we'll, we'll put up cool. your cooking blog on our cool site. Cool. cool thanks and i'm yeah. gonna just pitch something really quick about jolie she did her web her her web series crazy things i've seen in running canyon was genius so <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that if they go to your blog, can they see those episodes or yes, those they can. I'm glad you asked, Brian. They can on on the video tab. If you want to see some comedy, please watch. <laughs> I'm telling you, they cheered me up every day. I would I would uh, I would Facebook about it. I would Twitter about it. 
I don't know if you can say Twitter as like a, a verb. I would tweet about it. <laughs> um, I was all a Twitter about her. Uh, I couldn't wait for the oh, next okay. little snips. So I, those are my favorites. I would I would watch those every day. But. Thanks, Brian. That was nice. Well, it's true. <laughs> they're um, basically one. They're basically like thirty second, thirty to sixty second little webisodes. Uh, little vignettes. vignettes. Cool. Yeah, we, we, we have online content all the time. So, uh, you know, like we said, we can put all that stuff in the cool sites. And if anybody wants to check those out, just uh, we'll, we'll have them follow the link. So mm-hmm. that, that sounds uh, sounds great. What, what about you, Brian? Was there anything that you wanted to uh, to share or uh, promote? Or sure. I um, well, I, yeah. OK, so I'm working. <laughs> I kind of cheated, cheated a little bit. A little. I was trying to figure out the time like frame of like when this is going to air and when right okay right. so i'm doing an episode of true blood next week Ugh. oh so i so you, you're gonna get your dream job, dream job. One of them. so <laughs> i'm super excited about that um cool yeah i yeah. can't tell you anything more than that i'm working on the show no no that's fine but 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 by the time people hear this they, they will either have it. already seen you or or they'll can check it out as like some kind of Halloween tie in it totally I, congratulations you i I thank you very much I needed it I really needed a job and <laughs> not to sound desperate, but I really really needed one um <laughs> just for my ego uh, um but yeah, no, I've been doing a lot of writing. I wrote a pilot last year that was filmed, and it never aired, but i I did write it and uh, I'm working with um Brian Singer and Jane Lynch right now um they're executive producing something that i um I also am producing on, so I'm doing a lot of other things to keep myself busy and fortunately, those things are have a lot of um i don't know they're having a lot of um they're moving forward, you know. I think with acting, ah, I'm going off on a tangent, but we're so dependent upon other people saying yes to us mm-hmm. to let us do what we really want, love to do. And with writing and, and producing and doing your own content like Jolie did, it's like you can really do your own stuff now and, and, and have some eyes on it, you know. Thank you, Internet. So, um, yeah, the, internet, the Internet's definitely awesome. Yeah, so uh, I did, uh, yeah, please watch True Blood this season, and if you didn't see the episode I was in, it's episode six. Go iTunes it, or tweet it, or Google it, or <laughs> yeah, whatever you do it, do it, kids. You're using that, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> I, awesome. I'm thanks, using Google. Thanks, guys. I can't Google that? No, I'm saying tweet. Tw- uh, uh, oh, you can't tweet a movie. <laughs> Right. I'm out of it. I don't know what it is. I'm too old. Thank you cool. so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been awesome. Um, and then I guess uh, for, for our listeners, just so they know, um, we're, we're going to sign off on this half of the show. But uh, after the break, um, we'll have some stuff coming up on uh, the Walking Dead video game and the Mockingbird Lane pilot that uh, Brian Singer worked on. So we're going to be talking about that in the next half, so there'll be some kind of musical interlude break or some such. Um, And then uh, they can check out the rest of the show. But uh, this is going to be it for Brian and Jolie. So, again, um, you know, thanks so much for coming on the show, and and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It was really fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. (laughs) (laughs)
Hey guys, welcome back to uh, another exciting half of the Fan Holes Halloween podcast. Uh, this is Derek, Derek WC, your continuing host. And uh, I hope you enjoyed our X-Files segment and interview questions that we just had. Um, we're going to be moving on to some other topics in the realm of video games and also television. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Walking Dead video game from Telltale Games. And then we're also going to be talking about the Mockingbird Lane television pilot that was released uh, last year for Halloween. So... Uh, I'm Derek, Derek WC, and then uh, joining me for this half of the show tonight is going to be... Mike Thunderwing. I am Justin Grimlock. And I am Tony Chainclaw, screwing with Derek from halfway across the world. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So you're probably not going to like this. Oh no. What happened? Nothing. We have to talk about your hair. It's not safe. That's not nice. What? Are you saying it smells? No. Because it does, kind of. So, so, yeah, so uh, basically, uh, I guess the, the first thing we can get into right away is the Walking Dead video game, and this is a video game from Telltale Games. Um, this was first originally released uh, around 2012 in about April, and the way they released the installments of the game was it was a downloadable game that you could get on your console system or whatever and uh, you could also um, you could just download each individual episode and so there were five separate episodes released between April and November and it told a continuing storyline and uh, the video game basically follows the adventures or I guess you, you know it's kind of like a first person uh, perspective adventure with this guy named Lee Everett and uh, you, you have to sort of make different character choices throughout the game and those choices supposedly affect like you know the outcome of the game or at least the way you know different characters you interact with view you in the game um, and uh, you know it's not it's not a highly you know, it's not like a Resident Evil thing where you're stocking up on ammunition and you're running around killing like 20 million zombies. It's a lot more kind of, um, I'd say it's more immersive, you know, it's more of a storyline type game. So uh, interestingly enough, I think most of the other families haven't actually played the video game. They've just watched it. Is that is that correct? Or Indeed. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's something you could easily kind of even even if you're not much of a gamer, you could easily sort of sit down, play this, and you know your girlfriend or your cousin or whoever's hanging out with you that isn't into video games, they would probably watch along with you with bated breath and kind of go, "What's going to happen next?" Because there's a lot of you know cutscenes and interactive storylines and things like that. Um, I, I thought it was a good game. I mean, I know it's gotten a lot of uh, critical acclaim. I mean, you know, it's gotten a lot of, like, Best Game of the Year awards and stuff like that. I mean, I think the idea is interesting. Um, I was entertained playing it. I mean, in terms of things I've said in the past about kind of not being much of a gamer, you know, my my like of a game is usually correspondent to my level of frustration with the game. And I'd say, like... This is virtually zero percent frustration. Do you know what I mean? You're you're walking around, you're investigating things. You have to use your brain a little bit, but you know you're pointing, you're clicking, you're walking, you're making decisions. Um, you know, the the only thing I I might say about that I think is kind of interesting is is they're talking about it's a, a choice oriented game. So you know you start the game 
on your way to prison and you're in a prison car. So you're talking to the guy in front of you. And most of the game is kind of similar to this where you're having character interactions with other characters. But sometimes what I find funny is ultimately, like, I, I don't know, it seems to me like it's like a false illusion of choice in some way. Like, I, I think if you want to know what Dr. Manhattan feels like, like you should play the Walking Dead video game. Because it's like, I don't know, to me it seems like the outcome's going to be the same no matter what, you know, like, I mean, I know they, they say there's like, you know, 32 variant decisions, but like, ultimately, you know, sometimes you'll you'll talk to like people and the conversation will be a little jilted, like it won't make any sense, you know, like, especially when you're talking to the cop in the beginning, you know, you could choose to say nothing, but then he'll say something for you anyway, or, you know, like, it, it's not exactly what the choice is that you think you're going to make. So some, sometimes you will have, uh, you know, levels that have to go somewhere. So it's like, you, you know, you get to the point where, you know, all the characters are holed up into this motel. And that's where, you know, basically your, your first cast or your first group of characters meet up. And you end up meeting uh, Glenn from the comic books or whatever. And so he's part of your group for a little bit. And he ends up going off and doing his own thing. But the, the other characters that you're left with, you know, they, they end up running into these two guys that come up and they're like, Hey, uh, y'all want to trade uh, some fuel for some bread and some food? You know, and of course you're like, oh, knowing that this is the Walking Dead video game, you're like, I'm sure these guys are a bunch of, you know, shady fucks. But, you know, my, my choice was like, you know what, let's, let's go see if they really have any food and what the deal is, you know? And so then everybody's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We're all starving. Let's go find out if they have any food. But if you chose the other option, if you're like, yeah, these guys are shady fucks, let's not go with them. Well, the group outvotes you and you go there anyway. So to me, I'm like, it's kind of like a false illusion of choice. It's like, like you're going to go to the dairy farm no matter what you do. It's just how people look at you, you know, because of what you, you decided, even though the decision's already been made, you know, so. Yeah, I like how it's always like when you make a bad decision, it's like, yeah, so-and-so will remember this. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they give you these little hints. It's like, I guess you can turn off those hints if you want to during the game, but they always have those kind of, you know, little hints where they're like, oh, yeah, or even if you make a good decision, if you're like, hey, uh, reporter girl, like, like look hot. She's like, you know, Lily will remember that later, you know, <laughs> you know, things like that. Or like the the scene where like you're you're on a detective thing and uh, you, you help the one guy's son duck or whatever, and so like you're trying to figure out who's been who's been uh, like stealing supplies and giving them to the bandits, you know. So the the kid duck is running around. He's like, I want to be your Robin. Like, you know, we can be detectives and shit. And you know, me being a comic book guy, I'm like, all right, fuck it, you can be Robin. And Duck's like, you're awesome. It's like Duck thinks you're the most awesome guy ever. You know, in the little comments on the top or whatever. So you know, I, I know that he considers you Jason Todd Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I enjoyed playing the game. I mean, it's a it's an excellent distraction. Um, I, th- there are a lot of glitches. I don't know if Brian you know could confirm this or not because I know he's he's played the game. Uh, with me as well, but uh, one of the things that was really annoying was um, it was, I think in the between, the, I think it's either at the beginning of the third chapter or somewhere in the third chapter, uh, basically you get the train started and um, 
after you get the train started, at this point in my game, uh, you know, uh, that kid Ben is still around. So you go out on the train to talk to Ben. But what was funny is every time I open the door, it's like the screen, like, flipped inverted. And it's like you could see you're on the train, but you were, like, looking at, like, the reflection of the trees in the lake or something as the train was rolling past them or something. And, like, you couldn't move. So it's like you couldn't actually get to the next segment of the game. And I guess when I looked it up, the only way to get past that glitch is they're like, oh, you just have to stop the game and restart it again. But most people are like, oh, the worst you have to do is is talk to this other guy and have a conversation over again. So I was like, oh, no big deal. So I have to talk to this old man one more time. I mean, as long as I get past the glitch. But it it was kind of, you know, sometimes you're kind of like, oh, wow, well, this game is kind of glitchy, you know, for certain Certain instances, especially when like you're you're in a a time crunch, you know, like a lot of the the dialogue you have to sh- decide to say or not to say, you know, you you have a timed meter that you know determines whether or not you're going to say it. Um, I mean, as far as choice goes, too. I mean, I guess since I'm the only person who's played the game, I, I'm like, for me, it's like I. I guess I found myself thinking of choices I would make, but you can't make those choices. You know, it's a very either-or choice, you know. And even when you make the choice, it kind of doesn't take into account why you're making that choice. Like, in in the beginning, you go to Herschel's farm, and Herschel is also another character from the comics. Um, So you go to Herschel's farm, and, of course, in the comics, his son, you know, is established as dead. So there's no way you can save that character if you're going to keep in line with the comics or whatever, right? But, you know, if you're just an average gamer, you know, playing the game and you don't know anything about the comics, you know, maybe you choose to try to save his son first. Maybe you choose to save the little kid because you're like, oh, dude, I want to save this little kid duck and I don't want him to end up like Jason Todd. But when, when I was first faced with that choice, I went for duck, the little kid, but I didn't go for duck because I didn't care about the other person. I was thinking, well, the kid's in the tractor, and the, you know, the other character is kind of, like, stuck under the tractor. So when I first played through the game, I thought, oh, well, maybe I can, you know, somehow start the tractor and roll it off the guy who's stuck and save both of them. And and I think I was thinking that way, too, when, you know, one of the big choices where everybody kind of yucks it up about is there's the hot reporter girl, I think her name's Carly or whatever, and then there's the, uh, you know, kind of dumpy looking uh, tech dude who helps you start the TV set. And and basically, there's another, like, tough choice. You know, do you save uh, the guy who activates the TV set, or, you know, do you save this hot reporter chick? And I think when I first played through the the first level, um, I went for the guy first, not because I was like, oh, dude, that tubby guy is, like, super hot. But it was kind of like I went for him because I figured, well, wait, he was the furthest away. And I was like, oh, well, the other girl's got a gun. So I'm like, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe she can, you know, take care of herself for a few seconds while I save the person who needs me the most first, like in terms of time, you know. And I figured maybe I can save the guy first and then go save the girl and save them both, as opposed to going for the girl first because she's a hot piece of ass and knowing for sure that tubby guy is gone if I go for the girl first. And then what was interesting was, uh, you know, I guess I – I hadn't played the game, you know, the first episode in a couple months. And then I started playing the rest of the game in time for this podcast. 
And I said, you know what, I'll try it the other way, because everybody saved the girl. You know, like, it seemed like, you know, it's like 75% of people saved the hot reporter or whatever, you know. And I was just like, well, I'll try it the other way and see what happens. And in that way, you know, you basically, you know, you throw her the purse so she can reload the gun, and she, you know, shoots the walkers, you know, ends up saving herself. Meanwhile, you know, tubby guy who, uh, you know, who, who helped you start the TV sets, you know, he gets nailed by all the zombies, and she's like, oh, my God, I feel so horrible, but I'm alive, you know. And ultimately, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it should go without saying, but, like, major spoilers if you haven't, like, watched any YouTube videos or played this game. But, like, later on, that same reporter chick ends up getting killed anyway. Do you know what I mean? So it's like no matter who you save, they're going to die. So to me, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, well, what difference does it make? You know, I, I remember, you know, playing the third episode and being like, oh, you know, I, um, you know, I've got this girl, Lily, who was into me because I didn't want to kill her dad right away or whatever. And I let the other guy like bash his brains in or something like that. And then, and then you've got uh, the Carly. Well, hopefully, to... he was a zombie. It wasn't just like fucking kill that guy. <laughs> well, that, that's the that's the question though. Like, like oh, you okay. know, he just had a heart attack or something. Like he could have been okay. Like you didn't know that he was going to turn. But you know, the whole idea is either you make the hard decision and go, oh, he's going to turn in five minutes, and you cave his head in with a you know a concrete block, or you know the other guy goes, oh, this is bullshit, and like you make the decision to try to you know, give them, uh, you know, CPR and try to, like, you know, bring them back or whatever. But I don't think that was ever an option. You know, it's like that that character was going to die there one way or the other. You know, it's not like it's not like you can do CPR and actually let the character live and then he keeps staying with you to the end of the game. You know, it's just, it, 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 you know, the decision-making process isn't quite what you think it is. Like, for me, a lot of the times, I'm kind of sitting there going, why do I have to chop this guy's leg off to get him back to the motel? Like, I can't, can't be act and, like, start chopping up, like, seven zombies? Like, why not? It's like, you just can't. You know, it's not part of the game. You know, so in that sense, you know, it, it is very interactive. It is pretty immersive. But, I mean, you are, you're, the scope of your choice is n- limited to the scope of the development of the game. So in that sense, you know, it's not free roaming. You know, it, it, it's it, it, you, you're in a time crunch, and then beyond the time crunch, you only have a narrow window of you know. Instead of it being like an option where it's a big circle and you've got you know, 50 billion different you know percentage options, it's like you only have a little small sliver of a triangle. You either do this or you do the other thing. You know, and there's nothing. There's really no in-between, you know, and, and even if you make the other choice, the only difference is how the characters that are with you sort of react to you and decide to assist you later on. It's like depending on who you save, then somebody else may save you later, or depending on who you agree with, somebody else may come with you to help you out later in the game, but it doesn't change where you end up, you know? I don't know, at least to me, like, you know... I, I don't know, like, like what, what ended up happening with you guys when you were watching different people play the game? Like, did they end up cutting off their own arm? Did they end up telling people they were a zombie or got bit? Did they say, no, I didn't get bit? Like, those kind of things. Like, did you notice different choices? Or wh- what choices do you think you would have? Like, did you find yourself watching, uh, you know, watching The Walking Dead going, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done something. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, uh <laughs> I, I I do like well I don't know it's it's kind of like this show where well like 
where you're like, you know, these things are so slow, but all of a sudden they come out of nowhere sometimes, like, and you're kind of like, what? You know, come on. Like, if I, I thought I was, I had the choice to avoid this or whatever, but, yeah, the game, like, makes you, like, do it, kind of. Yeah. Like, it's like, like you have free will as long as you realize you don't. <laughs> you have free will to a certain point, yeah. <laughs> well, you, I, I think it's an illusion of free will. You know, that, that's kind of why I the whole doctor. Like if you if you immerse yourself in the game and you try to like sort of you know open your mind to the fact that oh yes I have a choice and I'm going to reflect on my the morality of my decisions you know what I mean whereas to me a lot of the times I'm kind of like you know what all I want to do like uh, let me put it this way the last conversation where the guy is holding the little girl in the closet or whatever I gave him every answer I think he wanted to hear I told him I was sorry I told him like you know we'll work this out. And in the back of my mind, all I was thinking was, I still He's kept... You're going to kill the girl. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I still kept the little hatchet or cleaver or whatever. I never gave it up to him. You know what I mean? So my thing was, I was going to say, yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes, yes. The minute I saw an opening to cleaver the guy in the fucking head, I was going to take it. And that, <laughs> never, and that never came up, which is interesting, because that wasn't even a choice. Basically, what happens is you end up yeah. wrestling the guy, and then I just choked the motherfucker to death and didn't care. But, you know, like, that's... <laughs> That's you know I I don't know it doesn't really it's not really reflective of, of it's your... just kind of funny though just like I'm so sorry for your loss I know what this world has done to us has made us animals yeah and I they... really hope that you could rise above this now die motherfucker that's basically what I, I was <laughs> you know like I'm all when can I just cleaver this motherfucker you know because a lot of times you don't get to do that at all and and then the other thing I thought was very interesting was. You know, the the whole thing about the dairy farm, I mean, you know, again, spoilers, uh, apparently they eat people at the dairy farm, you know, and they, they cut up one of your comrades, whoever it is you decide to save or not save in the motel is the guy upstairs with uh, no legs and everybody's eating, uh, you know, uh, legless guy downstairs or whatever. Um, what about what about the cows? Are there zombie cows? Eating cows. Uh, I have no idea. They, apparently, the cow uh, did turn into a zombie because they had the veterinarian character there, and I don't. I don't think that changes depending on what decisions you make. It's not like you can like you know make the decision to like let all the zombies into the barn and eat the you know make zombie cows. Is this like eating no. grains is like really disgusting as we're humans? Would like something really disgusting for a zombie cow just be like milk, <laughs> milk? Yeah, <laughs> but it's like it's like those guys like were basically you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre cannibal people. So I didn't really have any moral uh, compunction to keep them alive. Do you know what I mean? Like they killed how many people and made your group eat somebody's legs? Like I was like I don't I I don't see any reason to keep those guys alive. So I killed them both. You know, and it was funny because I was looking at the percentage and some of the percentage was like, oh, only 17% killed both brothers. And I'm like, wow, what a bunch of pussies, you know, like, of all you should, like, take those guys out because they, like, were eating, like, people. Like, you know, I was just kind of like, that's kind of sick, you know, like, there's no reason for them to stay alive, you know, like, that that could only bite you in the ass later on. 
but... But then he pretty much dies anyway yeah. if you spare him, yeah. so, like, the zombies, like, encroach on your position, so yeah, he's, yeah. like, dead anyway. And so it's stupid. It's like, there is no choice. It's like, the only choice is, oh, what, so now you get to pat yourself on the back because you're, like, on a, some kind of, quote-unquote, higher moral level, like, and the zombies ate him for you? I mean, it's like, isn't that convenient, like... You know, I, I have decided that if the zombie apocalypse ever comes, I am not joining Derek's group. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what? You know what's funny about that though is is like I did my best to my my main priority was to to keep the little girl alive, to keep everybody in my party alive as far as I could. But then people start getting like attitudes and start fighting with each other, and so your 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 group, you know, it keeps. You just get sick of them. <laughs> well, no, it, they keep impeding with your goals. You know, oh, like okay. it's like it's like I, I don't consider myself a convict, but your character is a convict. So they have problems with that. You know, they've got problems with going hungry, and one guy wants to start his RV and go to the coast, and the other girl <laughs> wants to stay at the motel. And it's like there's this like confrontation between these two, you know clicks, you know, of people, like one group wants to stay and one group wants to go, and the minute you, you either try to defuse it and, uh, you know, or not take sides, and then they're both mad at you for not taking their side, or you take someone's side, and then the other side is mad at you for not taking their side, and and ultimately what ended up happening to me a couple times in the game is, like, that that one guy Kenny, it's interesting because he's the one who stays with you through most of the game and goes through all this hard crap. And it's like no matter whether you side with Kenny or not, I mean, there, I guess there's instances in the game if you side with Kenny the whole way through the game and you stick up for him and do all these nice things with him, he'll come and help you find Clementine at the end of the game. But because I choose to not, you know, agree with him about killing the one guy. Uh, you know, who had the heart attack, and maybe a couple times during some of the arguments, I told him to, like, go fuck himself. It's like, then he doesn't come and help you. But I'm like, wait, I shot your fucking son in the head for you? Like, I shot this other zombie who looked like your son for you? Like, I tried to save your wife, I gave your wife water, I gave your kid water, I did all this nice shit for you? Like, I'd say I did 80% nice shit for him, and 20%, like, ruffled his feathers, and basically... Ultimately, he kind of treats you like shit. I can't do this alone. I need your help, please. Lee, I know you think you and me might have been on the same page a few times lately. But the way I see it, you've never really had my back. Right from the beginning, you were never looking out for me and mine. Not when it mattered. So pardon me if I'm not bending over backwards to help you and yours now. Do you know what I mean? Like, like for the Remember most. When we were in the woods, like, and I want to listen to that one song, and you want to play the other song. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, basically, it's like it's like the only redeeming thing he does at the end is he tries to save that one girl when he's the fuck up who who made, makes you drop the walkie-talkie. Do you know what I mean? So like sometimes I'm kind of like some of those guys, like that guy Kenny, and then the the kid Ben who basically sold you out and sold all your stuff. Like, when he told me that on the train, I'm like, where's my option to throw this motherfucker off the train right now? <laughs> like, there was no option to 
that. So it's yeah, not so much that you're an immoral asshole, it's that you're actually saddled with a bunch of worse immoral assholes. Oh, that, that's... Yeah, it's, it's too bad there wasn't, like, an option that said, like, break him or something, and, like, you no, know, Lee, like, picked him up over his head and, like, gave him a backbreaker or something. Well, the, the two things that really bugged me during the game, like, in terms of... You, they talk about your morals, but, like, what about the morals of the characters in the game? And they don't really get any... Uh, you know, comeuppance for it per se. I mean, other than later on, like, what, because Ben betrayed the group, the ladder eventually will fall out from under him or something. I'm like, well, that's dumb. Like, I don't care about karma. I'm like, I want to take care of this guy now, because my attitude is, if this guy betrayed the group before, like, I've still got this little girl here to take care of. I've still got all these other people that are still alive. Like, he's just going to sell them out later. And he does. He he runs away from, uh, I mean, he does it, like, multiple times. Like, he runs away from the little girl when they're in a jam. Like, he does all kinds of stuff like that. Even if you even if you say, hey, buddy, like, way to go, bro. Like, I don't blame you. You know, it's not like, it's not like you giving a, a pep talk makes him a better person. You know, it's like I'm still like Ben. I'm probably gonna betray you, but you know, still a chicken shit the whole time. And then, and then that other guy, Kenny. Um, the, the thing that bugged me the most is like you're in the you go back to Macon to look for supplies or whatever, and um, in in one of the episodes, and and there's that choice where you can either let the zombies like feast on the girl so you get more time to get supplies to bring back to the motel. Or you just shoot the girl in the head and put her out of her misery. Um, I ended up shooting the girl in the head and put her out of her misery. And, of course, he's yelling at you the whole time, like, what did you do that for? We had more time to get supplies, you know, and all this other stuff. And then in the middle of that, the zombies bust through the door and, uh, you know, start to attack you. And you have this little exchange where you look at him and he looks at you and he looks all sad, like he's going to leave you just like he suggested leaving the girl. And when he did that, I was like, you know what? I should fucking kill this guy right now. You know what I mean? Because he was going to kill me. Like, he was going to leave me to fucking die, so I might as well take him out yeah. now. And the only reason why I didn't feel like, you know, well, one, that wasn't an option. But even when I got back to the uh, the motel, the only thing that changed that decision-making process to me at all was the, his little kid and his wife being nice to me. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of fucked up. I guess I'll, I'll let him slide. Do you know what I mean? But that was kind of like my thought process of it but like the minute like those characters are gone like it's like you kind of like wonder like well why you know i don't know like sometimes you just kind of like you know it's not like it's not like an ai character who just sucks and he doesn't do like what he's supposed to these people actually like try to fuck you over yeah yeah i mean pretty much like it's it's not like he's just you know it's not like the ai like is like storm in uh x-men uh legends and she's just bumping into the, the pillar, and you're like, come on, Storm, go this way. Stop fucking up the group, you know? It's yeah, like, this would be like Storm, like, toppling the pillar over on top of your head. To, like, you know, lightning bolt you, and, and, then, and, then, and then they have a big conversation about how your morality sucks, and I'm like, wait a minute, Storm, you just lightning bolted me. Like, you know, like, well, let's not talk about my morality. Like, your morality sucked first, you know? So, you know, but, um, you know, I don't know. To me, I... No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, I, was like, I don't really have a lot to add. I mean, you obviously have a lot more playtime with it. I was just going to throw in my little two cents. For the few videos I did manage to watch, I will say it did have good atmosphere as far as I've seen the show and, and all that, and it, it really did seem to play like a good licensed game. Yeah. And yeah. 
I did appreciate, like, the, the interface, like you said, even though I didn't play it just from watching it, the people who were playing it didn't seem to have a tough time, you know, like, figuring out what to do and shit. It seemed very well, Yeah, yeah. I said, like, as far as, like, level of frustration goes, like I said, pretty much zero, except for, I, I might say, like, maybe 99, 98% of those glitches, like, where I was like, what? What the hell is this? And then most of that was resolved by just restarting that, that particular, you know, scene level something like that. That's all I really have. I mean, it seems like a cool game. I would actually probably rent it if I, whenever I get my PS3. Yeah, um, the, the, uh, I mean, as far as it being a good version of the license, like, I mean, yeah, it, it's very depressing. I mean, I mean, it, I, I, <laughs> it's super bleak. That, yeah. I mean, it goes right along with the comic book and everything. I was like, I was talking- I was going to say, well, obviously it'll be too late by the time this, well, maybe it'll, you know, go on sale again, but this week it's like only 10 bucks for all of them, like online and stuff. Uh, like I, I pick, I snatched it up earlier this week cause I was going to actually like play it, but I, I never ended up doing it, but. You know. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, it's it's probably worthwhile in the sense that like there are variations on gameplay depending on the choices you make and all that stuff. But like I said, they are kind of, you know, they're they're kind of you know choices in name only. You know, it's kind of a false choice. You know, like you do have to do some things one way or the other, just depending on how how the life of the game goes. You know, but um, would you say it's like? <clears throat> um... Since you have played it, would you say it's, it's definitely different enough from like other like survival horrors like Resident Evil or whatnot or Silent Hill or yeah. whatever to like give yeah, it a try? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's. I I would say if you're a fan of those type of games, I wouldn't expect the same type of stuff. I mean, you know, the, the it's not all about you know. I'd say it's more about you know you kind of going along for the the drama ride as opposed to you know like actually trying to logically think out, you know, oh, I got to get 80 bullets for this and get 20 tennis rackets to build a Fortress Maximus so I can... It's more of like a multimedia experience than a game, basically. I mean, I I think the whole emotional impact is what people really keyed in on, and I mean, they did a good job with that. I mean, the, the whole relationship with the guy and the girl you know, the little girl he's taking care of. I mean, they did a good job setting that up and everything. And, you know, I I don't want it to sound like I'm being negative. I'm just discussing, you know, my kind of personal views on, you know, these kind of weird, you know, morality judgments in, in kind of this weird, you know, end-of-the-world situation where I think a lot of that stuff doesn't apply. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like I, like I said, I, I think it works pretty well, you know, the, the, the voice acting is, is really good, you know, um, you know, so, I mean, overall, I mean, I, it, it deserves a lot of the acclaim it gets, um, but, I mean, as far as selling it on, on a terms of choice, like, I think it's the illusion of choice that you have rather than, you know, actual choice, which, you know, who knows, maybe that's more like real life than, uh, than we know, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's a, it's a good thing that, like, the Clementine is really cute, like and you, like you, you want a protector, and I feel like it would have been like you know that's that's a key ingredient to the game, just because like if she was <laughs> annoying, you know, you'd be searching for like every like instance to get her killed or whatever. Oh no, I actually like, kicked you into a pit of zombies. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um, no, I, I was like, what you mean? Like, like it was the Armada kids? You wouldn't. Um... 
<laughs> if you had to like watch Billy and Fred or whatever. Billy, yeah, Billy, 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 reaction to, like, your asshole, like, party members and stuff, even though it, it annoyed you how they reacted and stuff, it did it at least seem to draw you into the story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's engaging. I mean, you, you definitely are engaged with the storyline. I mean, it's well done in that sense. Um, you know, sometimes, though, like, like I think it's frustrating because you, sometimes you, you click certain options and you're, I, I think like like how I was describing my intent to you know use the cleaver on the guy's head, even though I was feeding him false lines the whole time. I mean, I, I don't think that's always accurately reflected. You know, like sometimes I would feed people lines and go, oh wait, that's not what I, you know, intended to do. I was just kind of trying to play play you along, but it didn't. You know, depending on where where that tree of dialogue leads you, sometimes I don't have much choice. But that's that's pretty much how it rolls, I guess. Um, but I, I guess unless anybody has anything else to say, uh, we can move on to um, to Mockingbird Lane. Unless anybody has any last uh, last last parting comments for the Telltale Walking Dead video game. I just wanted to mention like the Survival Instinct game too that just came out, which like I, I didn't play it, but I watched a bunch of like videos for it, and I I can say like man, they really bit off Left for Dead with like all the stuff in that game, pretty much. Like it it seems like a pretty standard shooter, but like Left for Dead is basically the best like zombie shooting game, and like you can't really like the only thing this the Survival Instinct game has going for it is it's like based on a licensed thing. Yeah, it seems it seemed like one of those games where it, if it comes down to like fifteen or twenty bucks, it might be worth like just to look through. But I mean, as far as like one of these standard retail games that comes out at like you know fifty, sixty bucks a pop, I'm like, it seems like a waste of money, you know. The only thing that I saw that was kind of unique was you can like sneak up behind a zombie and like execute them and like do some really elaborate thing. But I'm kind of like, well, you don't need to do that to a zombie. You know, you just gotta knife them in the head really quick. But yeah, Ooh. but yeah, I was gonna say like I I I enjoyed this. Like I just basically watched it on YouTube. So like, and I I plan on playing it like now that I own it. And, uh, what do you call, and I think, like, the the videos I watched on YouTube, they mostly made, like, like kind of like you did, like, mostly, like, the reasonable choices, or probably what that person really, like, would have picked in that situation, but, like, when I play through it, I think I might just be, like, a dick the whole time, and, like, pick, well, like, the most dickish answer well, you, there well, you is. Well, you know basically. what's funny is, is when you get to the end of the game, they show you the percentage of, like, everybody who who stuck with you the whole time or whatever and like what's funny is like i was like oh you mean there's a obviously there's a version of the game where if you're an asshole enough to people like nobody comes and helps you find clementine at the end of the game like everybody says fuck off and and does their own thing so i'm kind of like oh i wonder what you have to do to do that where you're just like you just say all the you know fuck you motherfucker to all the like the 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 you know, dialogue choices and like, I hate you. I'm gonna eat this cracker for myself. And you know, like, <laughs> whatever, whatever choices you have. You know, I'm I'm not distributing the food. You distribute the food. You know, and like all that kind of stuff. So, you know. Well, I wouldn't change a hair on your body, no matter where they may grow. Are we having that conversation? I know all about puberty. 
You see, he knows all about puberty. I just don't want to talk about the changes in my body is going through. We will talk about it later. We will talk about that later. We will talk about it later. What are we talking about now? What are we talking about now? All you need to know now is you're not always going to be the same person tomorrow that you are today. But we will always be your family. So, yeah, I guess uh, we're, we're also going to be talking about uh, the Mockingbird Lane TV pilot. Um, the uh, Mockingbird Lane TV pilot is kind of a reimagining or a remake on the uh, classic television series, uh, The Munsters, um, which is, you know, a family of uh, basically kind of horror, you know, icons or what have you, you know, Herman Munster, Lily Munster, Grandpa Munster, Eddie Munster, Marilyn Munster. So, I mean, if you've watched the 60s television show, you're probably familiar with with kind of how these characters look and feel and everything like that. And uh, this television pilot uh, aired as a Halloween special uh, last Halloween, um, but it did not get picked up, sadly. But, uh, you know, you can watch the television pilot on Hulu, um, if you are interested in checking it out and you haven't yet, um, obviously we're going to be talking about the pilot. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it now and come back and listen to this later, uh, spoilers or whatever. And, um, but yeah, um, it, it was directed by Brian Singer, um, of, uh, you know, X-Men fame and so on and so forth. Um, boy, did it have a budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was well budgeted, which is probably That's, why yeah. it didn't get picked up. It probably yeah. costs too much money, uh, <laughs> and it was actually it was actually pretty good, like a lot like uh, Blood and Chrome. I thought, you know, like these pilots that are actually pretty good, but just probably cost too much to make, and and people make more on advertising with uh, with shit like the Kardashians and all this, uh, you know, storage wars and all this shit that apparently you know it has limited limited uh, budgets and stuff where they just follow around Nimrods with cameras and let them go to work for them, you know, pretty much. I just had but, to laugh because so. I never thought I'd hear storage wars on a fanhole's podcast. Yeah, yeah, so. But anyway, uh, like, I know I know we were all kind of jonesing to uh, discuss the uh, the Mockingbird pilot. Like, what did you guys all think of it? I know Justin was the one who initially uh, mentioned it to me. Like, he was saying, like, oh, dude, you should watch this. So, uh, what, I mean, what were your whole thoughts on the uh, Mockingbird Lane pilot? Like, I've always been a big fan of the monsters. Like, that's, like... When I think back to, like, shows I watched a lot growing up, like, I immediately go to, like, Star Trek and the Munsters. Like, I love it. Like, it's one of those TV shows. It's like I've seen every episode a thousand times, but I could still sit down if it's, like, on TV land or something, and I'll watch it. Like, I can watch it for hours. But when when I heard they were going to remake it, I was like, I, I cringed. I was like, that sounds like a bad idea. And then when you hear it about all these, like, weird, well, not weird, but, like, Interesting casting choices they made, like the guy who played Herman, um, what's his name, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry Powell. Yeah, like, he's not like, Shazam! Like, I, well, in what universe does he play Herman Munster? Like, that seems really, like, Eddie Izzard as Grandpa, like, I thought that was great, and he was really apparently, great. Apparently it's in the X-Men Singer universe, is where he plays Herman Munster. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, like, I, I thought it was a bad idea, and, like, I 
I don't know. I guess I wanted to torture myself and be like, uh, this is a bad idea, but I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, we already mentioned production values were really high, and that's probably why it didn't get picked up. But yeah, like the production values were really good. Like, whether it was like the CGI on, you know, Grandpa turning into a, a giant bat, or like uh, the monster mansion itself, or Spike at the very end, like it had a lot of really good values. Um, like all the actors, like the you know, weird, interesting casting choice. Like, I thought they all were really good. Like, um, Marilyn, I thought she was really good. And, and uh, Eddie, like, I thought he had, like, a really good, like, range of, like, facial expressions. Like, any time, like, he heard, like, you know, Grandpa or uh, Herman say something kind of off, he would just kind of, like, give it, like, a weird expression. Like, I thought he was really good. Um, it is a shame it didn't get picked up. But, like, like I would have watched it, like, week after week. I know a lot of people will, like, like a good buddy of mine, like he watched it, and like the next day, I was like, "So did you watch that?" Like I was all excited to talk about it. He was like, "Yeah, it was awful. I hated it." I was like, "What?" Like he he didn't appreciate, I guess, like the uh, updating. Like I guess it was a little too like bloody, and you know, like the characters are different from the '60s versions. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. they're kind of like hardcore about you know, Grandpa basically kills this guy and like takes his heart and put it in Herman, you know, you don't... Well, yeah, that, that's got to be tough for... I mean, I could imagine that, like, because, I mean, even the viewer ratings, like, it didn't get a lot of high views when it did air on Halloween, you know, that, that you know, Halloween month or night or whatever it was in October. So, I mean, I could see I could see the, the viewership kind of getting turned off by, by some of those elements. I mean, it is very black, you know, it's a black, yeah. dark comedy, so you, you kind of have to be... <laughs> in the uh in the realm of that but i mean to me at least i don't know this is gonna sound strange but at least it's not you know drinking a cup of shit like quote-unquote humor <laughs> you know what i mean like i i, I thought it was funny like my i think one of my my favorite lines was uh was actually more witty than than bloody or gross but i liked i liked when you know uh grandpa's going around and he's like i'm going to bake cookies you know and you're kind of like cookies what the fuck is he and then you see he kind of dips his blood in all the cookies and he's getting kind of like mental control over everybody and that kind of thing and i liked how when he went to the one guy's uh door he's kind of like the one guy's like do you guys want to come in and he's like can you rephrase that of your own free will as a statement you know and he's like please come in and he's like excellent yes you know and i was just like that kind of shit made me laugh because you're like ah he's a vampire like that's hilarious you know like i i don't know like that kind of stuff i appreciated but i mean i could see how to some people maybe it's you know i mean as far as like you know some kind of family you know nbc show how it might not go over well with uh with audiences but the really funny thing is like uh, one thing justin said is like a lot of like his friend you know expected something you know more i guess mainstream more like the original monsters but actually every single character as far as their original like personality was very true to the show. Grandpa is old school and Herman is a big softy and Lily is kind of torn between both worlds. And, you know, I mean, Eddie is like, you know, just a little kid, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, if you go back and watch like a lot of the earlier, uh, monsters episodes, they are trying to get rid of Marilyn, not like as like 
grandpa put it, he's like, "Oh, you're staying here? Like, we don't, I don't want you here." But it's like, if you watch the Oats uh, series, it's like they're trying to marry her off and get rid of her because she's like, she doesn't fit in, you know. Like they, they don't, they don't want her anymore. Like they want to like marry her off. Like I guess like you did back in then, and you know, just like, "Oh, you're married now, and you're not living with us, so goodbye, Marilyn." But but yeah, like uh, you know, aside from like grandpa ripping out hearts, like I thought, you know. They all did, you know, a good job of, like, staying true to, like, the core of, like, the original characters. But I think that's the thing. It's, like, it's it's not a continuation of the original series, so you can't really yeah, look at yeah. it too much like that. It's it's an updating. I mean, they tried to, like, continue the series with, like, what, Monsters Today, where it's, like, they go to sleep in the 60s and wake up in the 80s or early 90s, and it was awful. I know, like, Tony mentioned it, like, a while back. <laughs> Let me take a moment. We went to sleep a long, long time ago. <laughs> and we woke up with a brand new show. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, love, I love the cheesy 80s sets on that. Like, I, I don't know why. I know it's terrible. But, like, I always used to watch that, that Monsters Today where you're like, bam, 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 Glam metal like opening. Yeah, it's like bam, 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 yeah, like, I, I think that's, like, an interesting, would have been an interesting place to go with the character. You know, it's like, the 60s show, it's like, what was Marilyn's character? Like, she was the normal one. She was the one who didn't fit in with the monsters. So, like, you know, giving her something more. Like, I, th- I think my favorite scene is, like, when, you know, Derek mentioned this. It's like when Grandpa and Marilyn go to the neighbors with the cookies. It's like, I liked Marilyn and... Grandpa interacting like that, like their dialogue was really good, and it's just like those characters playing off each other, because in the original show, like, they didn't play off each other, like, very much at all. Yeah, it's like Grandpa wants to get rid of her, but Marilyn has this odd affection for him. Yeah. I just thought that what, was about, like, what about you, Mike? You've been uh, a little quiet. What did you, uh, what did you think of Mockingbird Lane? Like, do you have any opinions on, like, the, the old show versus the new show, or anything about just the pilot in general? Sorry, my mouth is full of Twizzlers. Twizzlers <laughs> makes mouse happy. Twizzlers, <laughs> Twizzlers can send the uh, paycheck to uh, Fan Hall's podcast at gmail.com. No, um, I used to like every so often, like you know, I'd, I'd catch the monsters on Nick at Night and whatever. But like you can, I can tell, I could tell like just how like not like, informed I am, or, like, just how out of touch I am with, like, the monsters when I was watching this, because I, I was watching for, like, ten minutes, and I was like, where's Uncle Fester? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and then it was like, it took me another ten minutes to realize, oh, crap, that's not the monsters, <laughs> like... <laughs> she's, like, watching Green Arrow, like, when does he get the magic ring? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's what I was pretty much. Oh wait, that's yeah, that's the Adams family. I was like, oh crap. But um, 
I thought it was cool. Yeah, like uh, you know, I I like Eddie Izzard. I thought he was pretty funny, and uh, what do you call? I like Jerry O'Connell, and uh, like everyone was pretty well cast. And you know, I like I don't have any memories of like the original show. I think it like like I said, like I'd be maybe at my grandma's house, like sleeping over there, and like I'd have Nick at Night on or whatever, and they'd have like the monsters on, and like it would probably like put me to sleep or something. So yeah. No, it's like not like I didn't like it. I just didn't have any like uh, it wasn't appealing to me. It didn't like have any uh, lasting impact on me. It's a nostalgia and show. It, it's it's a very it's, it's actually is a very sweet show, but it's very you know of its time. So you know. But in any case, yeah, I thought this was a nice pilot, but I definitely, like I said, yeah, I definitely, like you guys said, uh, I definitely knew, like, I was like, wow, this has really good production values, no wonder it didn't get pick- picked up, like, yeah, so I was kind of like, yeah, eh. you know, on top of that, it, I mean, I'm sure it couldn't have been cheap to have Brian Singer direct the pilot either, you know, so, I, and it seemed like it was, it was very well made, I mean, you know, even... Even discounting maybe like an audience distaste with the whole you know morality of Grandpa Munster or whatever that kind of thing, but like to me I'm kind of like well you've got all these shows like Dexter and Being Human and the Vampire Diaries and all this other kind of crap so it's like obviously there's plenty of people out there that can identify with characters that aren't you know don't have atypical you know, set of morality or whatever. So I don't know that that on its own is reason enough. You know, I would think it would be, you know, mostly economic type reasons of why it didn't get picked up. You know, it, it definitely felt like something you would find more in tune with, like you know, AMC or Showtime or something. It's like, oh, that was on NBC. Like that's that's surprising. Yeah, I mean that that probably has a lot to do with it too. The whole political angle, you know, like where it was airing and, and do, do, does that network really want to show that kind of show, you know, and it's like, it seems like they're, you know, they, they'd be more into the whole, uh, let's capitalize on the Hunger Games thing, let's do the show Revolution, you know, like that's kind of, seems like that's more up their alley than than uh, the, yeah. you know, the Mockingbird Like, a, like a normal show, like a normal sitcom, <clears throat> and you did say spoilers, uh, Derek, so I don't feel bad saying this. Yeah, yeah. Like the the Cub Scout leader in a normal sitcom, he wouldn't have died. They would have found a heart yeah. and a dead body, and it, everything would have been okay. But yeah. you know, he gets fucking off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that part of it is is part of the the whole black dark thing, you know. And it's like you know, the, I mean, the, the only thing that you can say in their defense is like, okay, Grandpa's scaring them, and it's all, it's Marilyn who kind of. You know, she doesn't mean to, but she pushes, you know, because Grandpa opens up the hidden stairwell, and she ends up pushing him down the stairwell and breaking his neck, you know. But it's not like, it wasn't like she did it on purpose, you know, but Grandpa, of course, did. So you're just like, oh, that wacky Grandpa always murdering the neighbors. You know, like, that's basically how you're supposed to, to look at it, I guess. And I guess that's, like, what's weird about me. Like, as far as I go, I know a lot of people would not, I guess, skew with it but I really did find the comedy in a lot of it. And I was like, yeah, it's really dark, but it is really pretty damn funny. No, no, I mean, I, I think, I think it was funny. Like I, I think, I think the, the, the delivery and the direction and all that was, was actually really well done. Um, the, uh, 
to, to me, I guess that's why it kind of harkens back to I'm like, well, at least it's not the kind of gross out comedy. Like I didn't I didn't take it as gross out. I took it more as like genre comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they were making fun of blood and guts. It's they're making fun of, you know, conventions of, you know, zombies and Frankenstein's monster and yeah, it wasn't gory at vampires all, really. and all that kind of stuff. Wolves, you know, the whole, you know, the Boy Scout camp gets terrorized or whatever by the werewolf, you know, like that kind of thing, you know. So I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. And even then, that was done really well because unlike later where it does have a couple of dark turns, Eddie doesn't kill any of the Cub Scouts, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, does it go that dark? That- that actually kind of confused me, because, like, it looked like he was killing them, and then the next scene is, like, them all in the truck together. I think they were and I was like, wait, I think they were what? going for, like, a Warner Brothers thing. Like, he, like, fucked them up really bad, but they all had, like, you know, Scooby-Doo knots on their heads and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, when he, uh, the kid in the sleeping bag, like, when he throws him into the tree and it explodes, like, with all the insulation and stuff, I was like, holy crap. And then <laughs> he's he, dead. But then the little kid goes, ow. <laughs> like, I just start laughing. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell. I mean, I, I will give the you know people who were not fond of it this. It definitely was not a show that I could probably see a lot of people just jiving with. But I guess all you know, four of us are just kind of weird, and we just were like, "That's a really good show," you know. So I mean, I understand the the standpoint of yeah, it's not mainstream, but at the same time, like Justin said, if it'd been on a different network that was known for more cutting edge stuff, I think it would have actually found a better audience. Yeah, yeah, maybe it just didn't have the right home, you know. But then, even then, but, you know, if it didn't have that home of NBC, it might not have gotten the budget it did in the first place, too. True. Which is kind of funny, so you never know. Yeah. About the only bad thing I could say about it is, like like I was talking about Marilyn earlier, and then Spike at the end and stuff. Unfortunately, since it was a pilot, there was obviously loose ends that they had to leave open in case they got picked up, and I'm really curious to see where they would have went with that, so. But, but yeah, like uh, it, it would have been interesting to see where they would have went with like Marilyn. Like you know, they made references to like um, Marilyn's mom like wanting to eat her, and you know, Grandpa talking her out of that. Like there was mentions of like Marilyn's family like in the series, like very sporadic. Did they ever mention it? Like I, I would have been interesting if like they would have like you know revealed Marilyn's dark secret past or, or whatever, you know, yeah, different yeah. directions they would have went with, like, Eddie or, you know, whoever. Like, I would have been interested. Well, it sounds like we all kind of enjoyed watching the pilot, and, uh, you know, if you guys, uh, you know, if you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this and not on Hulu watching the pilot first, but uh, you know, go check it out on Hulu uh, if you're intrigued and or interested, or maybe you want to save it for like some kind of Halloween treat or whatever, and uh, since this is the Halloween podcast, go out and, and watch uh, Mockingbird Lane on Hulu. Just remember, it's free. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess uh, we'll move on to uh awesome thing in the world this week, and um, I- I'm just going to go ahead and uh, do my awesome thing, since I guess there haven't been too many awesome things going on this week. My awesome thing is going to be that I went and saw G.I. Joe Retaliation uh, this weekend, um, and uh, it did not suck, so that was my awesome thing. Um, but, yeah, what about you guys? You got any... Uh, Got any awesome stuff on the 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 tap this week, Mr. Tony Jackson? Um, see, as far as awesome this week, yeah, this is going to sound lame, but you know, whatever. I, I mentioned a couple of podcasts back, a lot of podcasts back, 
Um, and as we're recording this, we're kind of doing this a little early. Um, I really got into uh, Robot Combat League, and right now, not to sound like a fanboy, but the robot named Scorpio is fucking a beast. Because usually it's kind of it looks kind of like really big Rock'em Sock'em robots, but the robot Scorpio has had two matches, and in both matches, he's cut the other robot in half to where it falls over onto the floor. And I'm like, that's fucking badass. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I have, like, a new hero now. And it's like, it helps that the guy who controls it is a toy designer. And the uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the show. I'll explain it really quickly. There's somebody who controls the movement, and there's somebody who controls the fighting, who controls all the punching. The toy designer controls, like, how it walks and how it moves. And a really hot Asian girl controls how it fights. So I'm like, oh, wow, I'm just in, like, fanboy heaven. So awesome. <laughs> So like we can we can bring the Scorpio robot with us when the zombie apocalypse hits. Like that's, that's somebody you want to add to your group. You know? I, th- I think I think he would do some damage, and they probably won't whine because it's a fucking robot. So yeah. yeah. Does the uh, does the uh, like reigning robot champion get to take on like Chris Jericho at the end? That would be awesome. And I think <laughs> Chris Jericho would win. <laughs> what about you, Justin? You got anything uh, awesome in your world this week? I certainly do. Um, I picked up some Marvel Legends Iron Man figures. Um, I've got uh, Iron Patriot, the uh, classic armor, the 60s pointed mask, and the uh, neo-classic, the 90s armor. Um, they're all really great figures. Like um, I'm kind of a sucker for like Iron Man armor figures. Uh, I've got a, like a bunch of the uh, universe figures too. But uh, these are all like really solid figures. Like, and I can't really say like. Out of the three, like if I have a favorite, because they're all awesome. Like the uh, Iron Patriot, I know it's just kind of a repaint of the uh, Extremis armor, but like it's really awesome too. Um, the uh, classic armor with the pony mask, it also comes with like a different head, you know, the non pony mask version. I um, call it the Mego head, because that's the one the Mego guy always had. I was going to call it the drunk armor head. <laughs> drunk armor. Yeah. Like right, like right now, I've got the drunk armor head on, um, and then the uh, the neo classic, the '90s one. Like that's really awesome too. Like I like that one a lot. But uh, you know, if you like Marvel Legends figures, like especially like really, really well done ones, and if you like Iron Man, like I would really recommend getting all three of these. I, I don't know how many uh, action figures you collect as far as Marvel Universe stuff. I know you you do collect action figures a lot. Is this going to be possibly the first build a figure you've gonna you're going to complete? The um, longer? <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't plan on completing the Iron Monger. Oh, okay. I like I, I, I've got a complete Galactus, but I kind of cheated and like I bought it off someone at a flea market. <laughs> hey, it's not cheating if you get what you want. But I did have all but like the left arm of a Sentinel at one point. Oh, cool. You just not fond of Iron Monger? You just don't like the figures that you had to get to get him? Um, like the next wave, like they look like um, they're like more in line with like the movie stuff, and like oh, I mean, they Iron look, Man three shit. Yeah, like, I mean they look good, like they look like solid figures. I just don't like want to buy them because the, another one is like it's going to be the movie version of the Iron Patriot armor. I'm like I don't really want to buy like another one of those. Yeah, you're probably like me, like the out of the three and three four inch figures. I bought some of the Iron Man two figures that were in that size. But they were all the comic book versions. Ah. Yeah. I didn't get, like, you know, Inferno Lava Armor Iron. Justin, you don't even want, like, the new Ultron? 
Um, I might buy that one. Like, what's what's the other one? Like the other Iron Man armor? In- yeah, it's like that tan yeah. iron movie armor. I, I, I don't know if I'll buy that one, but the, that Ultron looks good. Like, I didn't like the previous Marvel Legends Ultron. Like, I, I don't know. I just it just didn't feel like Ultron to me. Like, I know you liked it, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, it's it's all right. I mean, I've got that one, and I've got that like from the Toy Biz, like the they had that Vault series. Yeah, I said yeah. That from the Vault. Yeah, that was a good figure. Yeah, him and like Typhoid Mary, and then there was like one other guy. Uh, Stegron. Why the fuck and do Stegron, I know that? Yeah, Ultron's the clear winner of that group. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, um, Stegron's cool. What? <laughs> Um, anyway, um, uh, so what is your, uh, awesome thing this week, Mike? Um, I will echo your statement, uh, about G.I. Joe. It, it did not suck, and I enjoyed watching it, and it, like, felt like a real, like, it felt like a real G.I. Joe movie, pretty much. Like, it didn't have accelerator suits, or, you know, and the G.I. Joes were actually from America this time. Like, they were an American fighting force, not, like, an international PC fighting force, or whatever, but... Yeah, um, um, I hate you guys both so much because I want to see it really bad. I've, I've been really wanting to see it. <laughs> yeah, like that that the whole like you know Jinx and Snake Eyes fight like on the mountain like that was cooler than anything in the first movie basically. So, but um, also wanted to mention like my my local comic store has been clearancing off like a ton of stuff recently so I I bought a bunch like I bought something else tonight well after the movie like I I bought like Executioner's Song hardcover and uh, Fall of the Mutants hardcover earlier this week and like it was a pretty good deal like you know that those hardcovers were like the the Fall of the Mutants one was a hundred bucks and it went down to twenty five bucks and um Executioner's song was like thirty-five, and it went down to ten. And uh, what do you call it? tonight? I bought um the first hardcover volume of a uh, Yo- Chris Yost's um, X Force, which which w- like was ten bucks. So like uh, I'm looking, I never got to read that series. So I like that. I'm looking that forward. Was, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like the first twelve issues in a hardcover for ten bucks. So that's you know that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to starting that. And I started like rereading Executioner's song, and like I know Brian was like, "Oh, that's terrible," but like I like I, I guess I'm I feel all nostalgic reading it because I'm like, "Yeah, the '90s, yeah." <laughs> like, the only thing I hated was just the Executioner's design. Yeah, he's not he's not even in it. He's like not? it's a it's a. Oh, it's like Strife is the bad guy and the the MLF, the Mutant Liberation Front. Remember, it was like, like, what? Cable Shop Professor X? It's like, no, it's not Cable. It's Strife. Strife. Now I kind of want like a prologue where like Executioner like walks in. He's like, all right, guys, I'm here. And everybody's like, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) <laughs> my favorite part so far is um they're fighting like the MLF and there's this guy called Kamikaze and he just kind of, he flies straight into Archangel's back and cuts his own head off and like Archangel doesn't even notice and, like his head like bounces to the ground and he's like what there's blood on my wings oh my god oh well and then he like flies off <laughs> what just oh, well. happened you killed a Liefeld character oh never mind 
No, it, it's it it actually what he well it might have been a lie so like maybe he created them but it it like there's a foreword by like uh, from uh, Fabian uh, Nasina and he's kind of like you know oh we came up with this like right after all the image like people like jumped ship like as our X event for that year so like yeah the whole book is like written by Peter David and Fabian Nasina and like Scott uh, Lobel. And, uh, like, drawn by, like, Greg Capullo and, um, uh, Andy Kubert and, uh, who else? Uh, I don't know, there's a bunch of, oh, Jay Lee is all the X Factor yeah, issues. Yeah. And, yeah. That's some high quality H2O right there. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's all, like, I, I know it's probably terrible, but, like, I, I have fun reading it. Like, you know, I guess, I guess it's better than Maximum Carnage, probably, so. Hey, I, I actually like Age of Apocalypse. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, so I can't say shit. I, I like Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, me too. Oh, it was good. Yeah. So I, I can't give you any 90s hate on that. <laughs> cool. All right. So I guess uh, I guess we wrapped up our whole uh, Walking Dead video game segment and uh, Mockingbird Lane TV pilot segment for the spooky Halloween episode. Um, If you have any questions, comments, uh, concerns, issues, hate mail, uh, sexy mail, um, whatever mail, please send those to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Uh, If you uh, have an iTunes account, uh, we will graciously accept uh, some uh, high-quality five-star reviews from you. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, this has been Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Michael Thunderwing, and I'd choose to take a hatchet to you if given the choice of four distinct options. This is Justin Grimlock. And this is Tony Chanclaw, and did I just hear your heart skip a beat? <laughs> Peace. I love too hard. I love hard. So hard. hard. I love hard. So I love hard. hard. So hard. I'm gonna hard. We're gonna go up that hill and we're gonna love that girl. So hard. So did you guys have a chance to look over all the questions and everything? Does everything seem okay to you guys? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. I don't read anything unless I'm paid, so I didn't read a, a single word. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, because this is this is totally like nonprofit. Uh, okay. <laughs>